How's everybody doing? You guys doing good? It's great to see everybody. I'm excited to be with you. Man, Peter and the team were, whew, was really good. Did you guys enjoy that? Just enjoy the presence of the Lord together, and it's nice when beautifully talented people Talented people are up there leading us into that. You don't want to hear me get up there and sing. I might, though. I wrote my first song yesterday morning, just randomly with the Lord. It was wild. (laughs) Yeah, it's just going to stay with me, though. uh, It's not going anywhere. It's just for the Lord. Yeah. Well, I, I have a... A great expectation for for this, for this time tonight and this time tomorrow and Sunday. I I really feel like the Lord is gonna do some amazing things. I feel like He's gonna disrupt your life. Just there's nothing better than. Father God showing up and changing some directions. So uh, let's pray. Father, we're, we're, we're honored to be in a nation that says we can come together and just experience you. And there's not a greater privilege or honor than us gathering together and just say we're in love with you. And a greater response, the thing that actually changed us is that you're in love with us. So I, I just ask tonight, Father, that you would come with your grace and your mercy And just allow your love just to sweep over this place. I thank you, Father, that you know everything about us. But even like Adam and Eve, when they tried to hid from you, you actually asked, where are you guys? And so I pray tonight that our response would be an open heart to say, here I am, God. Here I am. That we wouldn't hide with the fig leaves of, of religion or, or what we think our culture wants us to look like, but we would actually be alive to say, here I am, God. Here I am. Just say that with me. Here I am. Here I am, Father. We don't want to run. We don't want to hide. But we do just want to have this one thing to say, here I am. Search me. Search me. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. All right, well, turn with me to Isaiah 61. We're going to camp there tonight.
So Boxy and I were, were last night just hanging out, and we decided to go to the, the shops up the road from his house. And we were in a store, and he, he was started to tell me testimonies of just how, um, just in the house that you guys' family, that words of knowledge were increasing, that people were getting healed, and he begins to tell me about this just experience over these last um, couple months of just words of knowledge, and I, I'm just, don't you love testimony? Oh, they're just so encouraging, so encouraging, and so I'm just soaking in the testimony, and we're in line, and, and all of a sudden my, my hip begins to hurt, and Immediately, I'm like, oh, this is a word of knowledge. So I, I, I looked at Boxy and I said, hey, I got, I got a word of knowledge for the, the lady behind the counter. So we get up there. There's two people behind me, and I, I, I really do like to be polite. Have you ever been, been around a pushy, annoying Christians? I love them, and I forgive you if you're one of them. <laughs> and there's times to be maybe that person, but it's only when the voice of the Lord says, go do something crazy, and I, and I felt like being polite, so uh, I, I, we were walking into the store right next door, and I just said, hey, uh, this is what's going on, um, Boxy, what do you think, let's, there's two people, let's let them go through, and so we went and got the other items, and he, he went off and began to pay, and I walked up to her, and I said, hey, does your hip hurt? And she was at that time, nobody else was in the store, it was just me and her, and she, she said, um, does my hip hurt? And I said, yeah, does your hip hurt? She says, uh, yes, it does. <laughs> and I said, well, you remember I was just in here a moment ago, and when I was online, um, the Lord showed me that your hip hurts, and he wants to heal you. And I said, can I pray for you? And she said, uh, yes. And I said, uh, can I put my hand on your shoulder? She said, Sure. And she leaned in. She kind of gave me, it was great. You know, some people don't know what to do. She actually, she leaned in with her shoulder. I was like, this is awesome. Put my hand on her shoulder. Said, in the name of Jesus, pain be gone. I said, test it out. She was, she was like a good candidate. Because all of a sudden, I'm not joking, she's like, <laughs> she's like doing this like figure eight, like walk thing. And I'm like, and I'm like, what's going on? She says, uh, oh, wow. Oh, all the pain's gone. I said, oh, that's so good. That's so good. And I just said, I said, you're amazing. Have a nice night. And I began to walk out, and she decided to prophesy over me on the way out. And she just, I don't know if she knew Jesus. She might because I was letting him be lifted up. And um, she, said to, um, she said to me, uh, Keep on doing the thing you're doing with people. Keep on you. Keep on doing that. It's just a little prophetic word. Got encouraged. Felt edified. Built up. Just like, thank you for that prophetic word. It's great. So that was fun. That was fun. I love what God is doing in the planet because He's doing some really good things. And um, if you're listening to the wrong station, the lo- wrong news station, the wrong preachers, the wrong people. Encourage you to get on the right channel because he's in a really good mood and amazing things are happening all over the world. People are being saved, healed, and delivered, and um, I'm just excited to be alive today. So, 
Well, we're going to start in verse 1 because it's fun. So Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. We could really just end the night, and it would be good. It would be, could be the greatest night of your life if we actually assimilate that, that the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He's on me. He's on you. He's in you. He's anointed you. And it's just life-changing to, to, to recognize that and see that and experience that and have expectation of the more of that because there's more. I was heartbroken just to think that it's just a one-time experience of the Holy Spirit being upon me. No, it's every day. Every morning I wake up and there's new mercies. There's new with Him. So, yeah, it's just fun. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. So this is just a fun side note. My wife, Jen, says hi. We know of a lot of you guys and you know, we've, we've grown just to love you guys. And I have four daughters, four girls, and they're just beautiful, amazing princesses that are just going to be awesome queens. And I'm um, just so proud of them. They're wild. And and so we, uh, we decided about uh, a couple months back, it's been ever since Jen and I met when we were, we were 16 years old, started dating when we were 17. She's my first girl I kissed, my only girlfriend. She is my it. I'm so madly in love with her. Well, we said... I said, when we were like 17, I said, hey, hey, sweetie, I would, uh, you know, how many kids you want to have? She said, four. I said, I want to have four kids too. And then I said, I, I have a, a strong desire to adopt a, a, a black boy. And she said, okay. Well, 17 years later, we're in that process right now, and we're working with an amazing uh, Nonprofit organization called the Hope Box in Atlanta, where they rescue uh, they rescue infants out of sex slavery, out of horrific situations, abandoned kids. And um, there's a beautiful law that got passed in 2014. At first, it shocks people, but it's a really good thing. And it says that a mother is safely allowed to abandon her infant at a hospital, a fire station, or with a healthy organization. And so I'm just thankful that there's an adoption movement on the horizon, and, and we, we're so excited to now be on this list waiting um, just to receive uh, this, ba- this, uh, this boy who I'm so excited to raise. And, and I feel like that there's, there's a movement that's happening in that with, with loving orphans and widows because it's pure and undefiled religion. There has to be a movement. And I've heard in Australia, it's, it's hard to experience adoption, but we just say, Lord, let grace come over this place. For people that want babies and either can't have them or they want to rescue them, that there would just be grace come over this nation. And we just ask for the, the process to just be, be like it should, easy and safe. Uh, the last adoption 
that this organization facilitated is they met a mother in a Target, I believe, no, it was a Kmart parking lot. I don't know if you guys have Kmart, but a Kmart parking lot, and the mother was around 14, and she handed this new parents the baby and then walked away. And that was not the end. Two days later, they actually had the ability to still contact her, and sometimes you don't in the, this process. And um, they ended up uh, talking to her again, and they ended up adopting her too. So, the gospel's practical. It's really practical. This good news is practical. So, uh, so I really want to key in on on just a couple things tonight, and. I felt like the Lord was going to set some people free tonight. Freedom is a really big deal. And I want to start out by saying this, and I hope this uh, little comment just puts grace over everything we talk about. And and my wife and I, when we were in school ministry in Reading, uh, she started uh, going through some inner healing and... And it, 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 was, it was good, but she kept on hitting this brick wall, and, and she was in it for about a year. And years later, she, she told me, she said, Justin, only if somebody would have told me during that process that I was healthy. Your health is not dependent on you. It's dependent on the blood of Jesus. It's dependent on the gospel, what he did on the cross. That is actually the launching point. You are now a new creation. You are new. You are new. And so I I always like to start, because anytime we talk about health, uh, it's just a big deal to start with. If you've met Jesus, you are healthy, and if you haven't met Jesus, come up to me afterward, or come up to Mike, or Justin, or one of us, because we want to introduce him to you. So, but that, just kind of, with that being said, I, I want to talk about some, really, three practical things, and, um, and then we'll see if we get into the rest of this chapter, because we could just, this chapter is just so good. So, so right here, it says, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of prisons to those who are bound. And I, I want to highlight the, these two verses here because being captive in captivity means you need deliverance. You need a deliverer. And I I was raised in in a movement when it came to deliverance. It was a scary word. Because I most of the time felt like that I would rather, uh, I felt like the person who was praying for the person who needed to get delivered actually needed deliverance. Because they would get louder, it'd be like, you know, puke, cough. You know, this is the kind of culture, so Mark Brooks, 
who was my youth pastor. Some of you know who that is. In here is he's the overseer of first year school ministry in Reading. And, you know, I remember as a youth, in, in youth group, I was probably, I don't know, 14, and a girl came in, and, you know, she was, you know, a 14-year-old girl, started talking in this, like, 50-year-old man's voice, and, you know, green stuff started to come out of her. She was throwing up everywhere. It was just craziness. And I'm not afraid of that stuff, nor do I, wanna, nor do I want anybody to be afraid of that stuff. I'm not afraid if something happens when we start talking about deliverance. I'm not, I'm not afraid of that. I, I just feel like there's a more peaceful way. And I really like peace. I really, really enjoy it. We talk so much about love, but most of us don't have what it means hit us in the back of the head when we're talking about it. My wife said send to me three weeks, I mean three months ago, she said, do you know what the first thing of love is? And I said, oh, I'm getting a list. I love lists. How many of you like lists? <laughs> They're helpful, huh? She's like, love, in Corinthians 13, 4, is, boxy read it, patient. Your first manifestation of love is patient. I'm like, okay, I got to go back to the drawing board. We got to <laughs> rewind this tape. Love is patient. And I love to have the model of what love is in, in, in Corinthians 13. But when it comes to liberty, when it comes to setting captives free, uh, I, I feel like there's getting ready to be a mass deliverance movement within the church. I don't know what's happened to our Western mindsets. But it's almost like some of us have begun to think that the enemy is a fairy tale. That he's not real. And I'm not, I don't want to be afraid of him. But, but I, I want to see a, a people that are beginning to walk out freedom in this way of actually receiving deliverance. Because I, I do, just a little bit of my background, a lot of you guys know me. Uh, you know, I, I've been doing counseling and that sort of ministry now for uh, probably about nine years. Really full time for about five. And there's moments that tools aren't going to help. Until you see who's on the other side of this lie. And we don't have to be afraid of it. Why? Because of what Jesus has done in our lives. So we don't have to be afraid of the demonic or devils. But, but I, I feel like there, there's this, this moment that we actually get to realize they're real. And for a lot of times, for a lot of us... We're still experiencing places in our lives of these tormenting lies, and we're trying to work ourselves out of them, and we really need freedom. And freedom has a sharp no. Freedom has a, oh, I've been partnering with you, no, in the name of Jesus. Don't you love the nose of the name of Jesus? Just know, you can't torment me. 
Deliverance is instant in freedom, and growth is planted in freedom. And again, if you know Jesus, it's helpful to know what's happening with you, to know what posture you actually get to have. And there's two postures here with people that are in captivity and people that are in prison. Captive means you're bound, and you most likely don't see that you're bound. You most likely actually don't know. That's why we need one another, guys. We're walking around, and I say this all the time, I know I've said this here, and if you have the mentality that you're this island unto yourself and the Lord, me and Jesus type thing, you will stay stuck. Because you were born into a family. You were born into a family. And guess who sees your stuff? Your family. Sometimes we find ourselves hidden in this false comfort. A fake comfort of the voice of the Lord. And it's actually the wrong version. Because if you don't find it in community, it's not Him. This is a family, guys. Eternity is a family. When we first get born again, you immediately get adopted in to a family where your first uh, experience, your first name that you get to call one another is brothers and sisters. When somebody showed up and asked Jesus a question and said, hey Jesus, I need to interrupt. Mom's outside. So is your brothers. If Mary heard that. Good to forgive Jesus after that. And, and he said, well, who, who is my mother? Who is my brothers? You are my mother. You are my brothers. This family is forever, guys. This family is forever. Ever, ever. You're not only going to be experiencing new places of his glory, you're also going to be experiencing new places with one another in the family of God. In the family. And then really my, my, my favorite, kind of what I do mostly with people, is this concept here of Opening prison doors. Now the thing with opening prison doors is you actually get a choice. You can sit in that cage as long as you want. Because guess what you have to do? Get up and walk out. You actually have to do something. 
And this is where it gets really scary if you think it's just you and Jesus. Because you'll stay in intercession for the next 50 years of your life, and really you needed to get up and walk. You needed to do something. Because you actually held the keys in that moment. Because in captivity, you don't see. You don't see. But in that moment when the prison is open, you actually have to get up and begin to move. You have to walk out. And and I adore the concept of growth. We're going to spend so much time tomorrow talking about growth. Practical ways of walking out of prison. Practical ways of walking out this thing that we call freedom. How are we doing? And I think there's a key in this next part that has been life-changing for me. And here's when I'm going to start telling some stories about walking out these two principles of deliverance and growth. And so the next portion... It says in um, verse 2, it says, To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, you guys are favored sons and daughters of the living God, who he's massively proud of. He's so proud of us. Again, that part I start out with Jen, that's what gives us the courage to ask one another for help. It's the thing that gives us the courage to get up out of prison and walk out. And then he says, in the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion. Mourning is a key when walking out deliverance and growth. And I've met way too many people and had way too many individual conversations of that is the only piece that they miss. Because they've forgiven all day and they've repented all day, but they still feel stuck. They still feel alone in pain when their head hits the pillow. And they're doing amazing things for God. Because the gifts on your life are yours. They were free. Signs, wonders, and miracles, gift of evangelism, just these gifts on your lives were free. You can have hell going on the inside and be living heaven on the outside. And it's heartbreaking. Because it's not what he has for us. He actually wants to give us life and life abundantly. For freedom's sake, he set us free. And so when I saw this piece about mourning, it it changed my life personally 
but it's now begun to change many, many people's lives. And so I, I want to take the rest of our time to talk about that, and then we're going to pray for some people. In the Beatitudes in Matthew, it says, Happy are those who mourn. Wait, wait, what does it say? It doesn't say blessed? Yes, which means happy. And I sit with person after person that is afraid of pain, so they actually don't know how to get up and walk through it, and they stay in it, and they hide it. And it looks like not being self-aware. It looks like not understanding your emotions. It looks like running from your soul. It looks like believing old things that past generations taught us. That your soul is bad, but your spirit is good. So if you get the spiritual things down, you're going to be okay. That's why we had the recipe of pray, read the Bible, and you'll grow, 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 grow. I love praying and I love reading the Bible. Adore it. It's food. So good. So good. But when you need to grieve and you stay in intercession, or you need to grieve and you look at exegesis and, and, and hermeneutics and you're trying to get it out of there, but you're stuck. It's why, because he's wanting, he's at your door saying, I am here. I just want to be with you in the midst of your pain. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the problem is most of us build a tent there because it's scary. And we want to shove these emotions down because they hurt. And I want to know the difference between the pain of disease and the pain of growth. I remember my daughter came to me just a little while ago and she said, Daddy, my abs hurt. My stomach, uh, she didn't say abs yet. She said, my stomach is hurting super bad. And there had been some things happening with her stomach and, and, and that was not okay stuff. It was more uh, disease stuff, maybe allergic to some things, which isn't okay, which we know what to do with that stuff. We do what? In the name of Jesus, be healed. Because it's who we are. And it's who, more than who we are, it's who he is, Jehovah Rapha. And, and, and then I, I began just, uh, I was on a date with her, just began to ask questions. And, and she's like, she began to talk to me about the day before. And Daddy, yesterday I was doing that workout video, and I was working out my stomach really, really hard, and it was just so great. And I go, bing, light bulb from the sky, glory cloud, little some angels came around. No, not really. And I said, oh, this isn't the pain of disease. This is the pain of growth. You're growing from strength to strength and glory to glory. You're actually growing right now. This is healthy. That's healthy pain. But if we stay in the concept that we're afraid of it, you will stay stunted. You will stay as a baby or an adolescence with this thing called the soul. Your mind, well, and emotions. 
and you hear things like Romans 12, 2. Don't be conformed to this world. To be transformed by the renewing of mind. And you'll be like, I do that. I read the Bible every day. And that's good. But when he's saying, it's time for me to be with you and process the pain, actually bring it to me. Because I want to weep with you. Jesus was so beautiful at this. Jesus was so in touch with his emotions. He knew how to weep with those who weep. And I remember this in my own personal life. We've all experienced horrific things in our life. And at this moment, we just moved to Atlanta. And I had been walking out freedom in the area of sexuality for many, many years before that. You know, no looking at yucky stuff online. No addiction to masturbation or anything like that. And my, my, both of my daughters, when we first moved to Atlanta, they got whooping cough. And they, at one time, my, my, my daughter, Liberty, she was uh, four months old, five months old. And we were just walking through the whooping cough and and she's, she's, she started to cough, and, which was normal in that. It had been a whole month at that point. And all of a sudden, she's in my arms, and she's, she's not coughing anymore. And she's bright blue. And I, I you know, I, I know, Jesus, just come. Jesus, just come. Come, Holy Spirit. And she didn't breathe for about, Wow, it was, it was close to a minute, and super scary. And I'm just, and my wife, she oversees the school ministry in um, Bethel, Atlanta, and, and so she was there. I get her on the phone. I say, honey, Liberty had stopped breathing for a really long time. She's super lethargic. Let's get her to the emergency room. And we end up getting her to the emergency room. Some friends show up, Jennifer Hetland, just different ones begin to love on us. And, and, I found myself uh, three or four days later uh, at three o'clock in the morning. I had probably two or three glasses of wine. Found myself looking at um, inappropriate pictures of women online and and I wake up the next morning and just riddled with guilt. And she's like, Father, I'm, I'm confused. I thought that was something that has been broken for years. What, what happened? And, and I had some great principles in my life. Thank Jesus for principles, because principles center you on the presence. And I already had it in my life, too, if I ever make any poor choices with sin that I let my light out, meaning I tell people. Pastors are some of the most hidden people in the world. And we need a revolution where pastors aren't staying hidden anymore. They let their light shine, because guess what? They're humans just like you. 
And I, I just begin, you know, to repent. I end up, you know, confessing to my wife. Anytime you make a poor choice in that way, I, I'm a, of the huge belief that it's healthy to um, just get some accountability in your life and some confession, because confess your sins one to another that you might be what? Healed. You want to get healed? Live in the confession with others. Live naked and unashamed to others. You want to stay bound? Stay hidden. Stay in the children uh, or the, 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 um, the garden with the clothes around. And I, I re- uh, so I, I, I had some, you know, we got a Sozo. Love Sozo. Biggest fan. Biggest fan. Sozo changed my life 2004. Saw him, sat on Father God's lap and he told me, you don't have to do a thing and you're worth it. And just religion just shot off me. Great. It's deliverance. It's freedom. And at this moment, I, I still, I walked away and I was literally confused. Why? Because I teach a class called The Good News in Sexuality. And I'd been a champion for purity for years. Yeah, it's a good class. <laughs> well, what happened was with people like myself who don't know how to mourn, you're looking for comfort. Because every one of us needs comfort. You know you need comfort? You need it really bad, and you will find it. It may not actually comfort you, but you will find it. Some of the most comforting things are food, sex, drink, sleep, Entertainment, super comforting. And guess what? The enemy cannot create anything. He can only pervert what is good. Because God looked at you and these things, and he said, ooh, they're good. It's all about the context. And I found myself not knowing how to deal with pain. And I remember the Holy Spirit just gently telling me, Justin, you don't know how to grieve. You, you don't know how to mourn. You don't know how to bear your soul like David did to the Lord. The man after God's own heart who was an adulterer, a murderer, pretty rough rap sheet. Almost every single church in our world would have punished the crud out of David. I think he's in charge, so no. Nathan actually gave him a little talking, a little Holy Spirit confrontation there. And, And I remember just beginning to process and simple things. A lot of times when we think of grief and mourning, we immediately only think about it in the context of somebody dying. There's so many things to grieve about, guys. 
Your soul wants to be awoken with Holy Spirit grief. That are actually able to bear your soul before him. David was real and honest and vulnerable. He said things that most of us would put our mouth over, I mean our hands over our mouth. Where are you at, God? You say you're this. I'm experiencing this. The exact opposite of who you say you are. And the difference is, is he doesn't do what we mostly do with one another. Turn and reject. He moves close. He moves close and says, I'm here. Tell me more. I I, want to actually hear it. And then most of us, especially as charismatics, we go... Shabbat-dabba-dooby, and uh, thank, thank you, Jesus, thank you, you're good, right, you're good, you're sovereign, you're holy, you're awesome. Wait it out, because that's what David did. Thirty-some-odd verses would be him burying his soul before God, and then the last two would be, you're good. And no, I'm teasing cheeky about you're good. He would let out you're good, but he knew how to bear his soul to the Lord. This is actually how we begin to eliminate the tension between heaven and earth. Because a whole bunch of people are out there saying, how is he good when this is going on? I prayed for this many people and they die. What do I do with that? And he says, I'm there. I'm just here. Tell me about that. I remember I broke my finger when I was 14 and I got healed uh, uh, when I was 24. And my, my finger break had a bunch of cartilage, uh, cartilage bump, arthritis. It just really hurt all the time, especially in winter. Man, it's winter here, guys. Jeez. <laughs> Come from hot Atlanta to who? Cold. Okay. And, and I'm, I'm at this, this wedding. I love Baptist, Baptist wedding. And, and, uh, you know, I'd bet everybody pray for me. I was on staff at Bethel at that time in Reading, junior high youth pastor. And I just, you know, had a lot of people pray for me. I didn't see it uh, recover. And, and all, of su- um, all of a sudden I'm in the, the singing at this wedding. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, that's for me. I didn't do a glory manifestation. At least I tried myself not to. <laughs> And I go down and I touch my finger and the bump had completely disappeared. It was totally made whole. And I'm like, and that was the one thing. You know, you have these weird prayers with God. Well, if you do this, I'll know <laughs> that you're the healer. That little fleece that we throw out, well, I'll know. If this happens, I was on staff at Bethel at the time. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> go back and share the testimony. And... and uh, uh, three years earlier, I had torn my ACL, and so I was the kid in first-year school ministry with the crutches. It's like you have a big bullseye on your back. Pray for me. No, no, I just need to go to the toilet. 
He can heal me in the toilet because that's where I need to go. <laughs> Setting, learning boundaries at that moment. But, you know, but I remember the first time I got, pray, I got prayer from Bill Johnson used to come to my church as a kid. I remember the first time I got prayer for Bill. It was at a, it was at a, uh, a camp, and, and I, I waited. I was 11 years old, and I waited till the very last person. You ever been that person who's hungry, and everybody's lining up, and you're like, oh, I'm just going to wait. <laughs> just like stew, stew in his presence. And I'm about 11 years old, and I walk up to him, and I say, hey, Bill. In second grade, I was diagnosed with a learning disability called dyslexia, and I, I write and read um, at, at the age of, uh, of uh, I was 11 that year, so I wasn't saying it this eloquently. But I, I, I said, uh, you know, of a, of a first grader, and, and I just can't, I can't spell. And he prays for me, and that's the first time I learned test it out. I said, Justin, go get your Bible. I want you to start reading. And I didn't see any breakthrough. So... 37 now. Been prayed for hundreds of times for this one thing. And uh, two nights ago, I'm just spending time with the Lord, and uh, I just put on a podcast. And Bill does something he's done for years. He, this was two weeks ago, I think, or three weeks ago, in preaching. He said, "Hey." I want to pray over trauma, um, head trauma, because we've seen, you know, and he shares the number of testimonies, how many people have been healed of dyslexia now, and just begins to tell the testimonies. And in that meeting, like 10 people get healed. And I'm in my bed in Warrigal. You guys know where that is? Somewhere in, in Australia. And, and I'm just like, you know, just getting hit by the glory and just like, yes, that's mine, that's mine. And still go to grab my pen and paper and test it out, I still spell about the age of a third grader right now. So what do you do with these things? Well, this, you learn how to mourn, and then you learn how to receive by putting the mourning, and, and now what I do is, is because you ever get exhausted by something? And if you don't know how to mourn, you'll stay exhausted by it. You'll actually stay in hope deferred, makes the heart sick. You'll stay sick in your soul because you've been fighting and contending for breakthrough in something, you haven't seen it yet. And, and because I've mourned it now, because, and, and I, I should, I, I need to phrase it like this mourning is never meant to be a checklist. I give people tools all the time with mourning. You know, it's, it's pain journal. Write it out before the Lord. Write it all out. All that thing. Don't let the enemy get in there because as the enemy gets in there is he just compiles a bunch of things. He says, well, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? Guess what we get to say to the enemy? No, you're not part of this process. It's me and the Holy Spirit. So we get to set boundaries with the enemy. More like walls, but they're good walls. And, and I get to just rest. Don't you love rest? I'm going to talk so much tomorrow about the practical walking this stuff out. 
But I, I love the moment where I just said, you know, I, I felt a little exhausted by this. I've got prayer a lot. So now I have a beautiful God-centered boundary that simply says, hey, if somebody calls out a word of knowledge, I'm going to be the first person to stand. But other than that, I'm just going to be your son and receive more. Because striving and pressure are one of the greatest things to keep you from breakthrough. Feels like anxiety. Feels like depression. And when we center ourselves with peace, which is the alignment of body, mind, soul, and spirit, and still know who he is, know what he, we've seen, stay thankful, but know how to bring him our pain. That's actually what releases freedom. And tonight, I, I felt really strongly that people are going to get free tonight. And I actually felt like there was actually a gift on tonight for actually deliverance. Which means seeing something maybe you've never seen, and as you see it, the enemy has to go. He has to flee because Jesus shows up. And, and what I ended up realizing and how I actually got free and walked out freedom from something I thought I was free from was I brought pain to his feet and received comfort. Receive and hear, I love you. Yeah, that was a bummer, and you've repented, but it's not who you are. And you want to get free and stay free and get washed? Learn how to grieve. Learn how to mourn. So you don't trade in my comfort for the perversion of comfort, the wrong version. And you put those things in their right place, because they all have beauty attached to them. If they're done in that place of purity where I get my comfort from the Lord. I want you to close your eyes. Peter, do you want to like get on the guitar and I love it. Don't you love it that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus? Do you love it that there's conviction for those that are in Christ Jesus? I never want to be numb from conviction. Close your eyes. Father, I, I felt really strongly tonight that, that you wanted to come with freedom. And I, and I thank you that we're going to receive just increasing tools for our internal world to walk out of prison. 
But I also ask you for those that may have been blind by a lie. Things like your emotions don't matter. You just need to do some more for God. That's why you feel alone. God, and we, we want tonight to just trade in mindsets, trade in our view of grief, That lie that says, if you start grieving, if you start mourning, you'll never stop. I thank you that mourning is, in the truest sense, a key to joy. It's a key to abundant life. And I pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you would just press on people's hearts and minds. For those right now that, that regularly pray, yes, Lord, I, I, it's for that one person. I know them, Lord. Let conviction come and you press on their heart. And not to force something. Not to manipulate something. But just because you want to come and be our comforter. You want to be that. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And you said in this life, there will be hard things. And yes, God has overcome this life. But in it, how the overcoming actually manifests is when we're okay with our hearts. Where we learn how to protect our hearts. We learn how to be grievers like you were, Jesus. You didn't look at Mary and the girls and say, ha ha. Just wait. You know me. You know what I'm going to do. You actually stopped and wept with them. Father, come. Father, come with your comfort and your grace. It's only in the context of grace that we actually get to be brave enough to grieve.